get up every day and think about God's goodness and grace and and what he says to be true. Not can I can I be holy today, but wake up and say, I'm holy because God is holy and he has given me the righteousness of Christ and he has declared that I'm holy. I'm other from sin, separate from sin. Welcome to No Sanity Required from the Ministry of Snowbird Wilderness Outfitters, a podcast about the Bible, culture, and stories from around the globe. One of the most disturbing things that happens when you are in ministry for long enough or when you are a Christian walking with Jesus for long enough is that you see other people walk away from the Lord. You see people fall away. They seem to lose their faith. They seem to abandon their faith. I had a conversation with Little's granddad one time. He's still alive. He's in his late 90s. He's a World War II veteran, a Tarawa Marine in the South Pacific. One of my favorite people ever. And I remember having a conversation with him where he said, this was probably seven or eight years ago. He was already in his 90s. And he said, he said, man, I've lived long enough now that, that I've pretty much outlived everybody. And what he meant was everybody in his generation and even a lot of people from the generation behind him. And we had this conversation where he talked about how he's lived so long that he's seen so many things happen, you know, commercial flight become a reality, lived through the depression, lived through a world war, lived through, uh, you know, the, the space race and putting a man on the moon, lived through uh, crazy economic ups and downs, lived through the the rise and collapse of the Soviet Union. That's that's a crazy thing to think about because my whole childhood and, and teenage years dominated by the Cold War, you know, it was just constant tension. And then when the when the Soviet Union collapsed, it was like, man, I can't believe that came to an end. Well, he saw it rise and then saw it fall, you know, and so just a long life and in that time the number of pastors that that he served and he wasn't in ministry, but, you know, he was always a faithful churchgoer and a deacon for many years in his church. And how many pastors came and went, and most of them faithful, you know, stayed the course. And so just you live long enough, you're going to see a lot. And 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 I think in in ministry or in the Christian walk, the Christian life, if you live long enough, you're going to see a lot of people walk away from Jesus. And it is disturbing. And it is it is emotionally overwhelming at times had a conversation this past week with uh with a a gal who has she and her husband and little and i visited with them many of you know them and and would probably know the story just in reference but they lost they lost their baby a newborn she was 10 weeks old and she died and this family's grieving terribly they have a two-year-old daughter and they're just trying to trying to get through this thing and hang on to the Lord's mercy and goodness. And we had a conversation there in their home. We visited with them for most of the day and had a conversation in their home where we're talking about uh, how many people have walked away from the Lord or, or have not blatantly walked away from the Lord, but have sort of, they seem to have embraced a new sort of Christianity, a new sort of gospel. I call it Shane Claiborne Christianity. I don't know if you know that name. You may or may not know Shane Claiborne. He, he doesn't know me, doesn't care who I am, I'm sure, doesn't know that I exist. But Shane Claiborne's a guy who he's he's real he's into like social 
and political things, but more like a left-leaning liberal kind of thing. And then he loves, he, you know, he talks about the, the social Jesus, the Jesus that loved to care for the poor and the Jesus that, that loved to minister to the destitute, which I love that Jesus too. You know, there's only one Jesus, but you know what I mean when I say I love that Jesus too. Focusing on that side of Jesus, not the part where, um, uh, and, well, and, and Shane Claiborne would also talk about Jesus confronting the religious leadership and, and, and the fire in his eyes when he would do that. But there seems to be, you know, like I see Shane Claiborne on social media, he's constantly blasting President Trump. And I'm like, eh, what, what, whether you agree with him or not, or you're for him or against him, it just kind of, it always kind of hits me, rubs me wrong when, when ministry people, Christians are really, really, really heavily into politics. And so not that we should be silent and not that we should hold our voice. We should speak out. In fact, I'm getting ready to do, uh, a couple of interviews to talk about this with some, with some other pod and some other podcasts. So, um, with some other people, but I, I just, I think it's easy to get derailed and get into social things. And I've seen this happen where people that have served faithfully in a gospel driven, gospel centered ministry, they end up sort of loving Jesus, but also getting caught up in, in, uh, in social movements, social justice. So and it could be, it could be something like what we're seeing right now with Antifa or the LGBTQ community or Planned Parenthood or the Black Lives Matter movement, which we've spoken on. And while we believe that that statement is so true, that movement is very godless and, and I believe diabolical. And so just just from reading their statements, what they say in their statements, I'm not, I'm not imposing anything that they haven't put out there for the public to read. If you go read their statements. And so when Christians get involved in those things, I think it's critical. I, I want to give some. I want to give some practical thoughts in this podcast in this episode about how do we remain faithful to Jesus, not and not lose our way. Because as we're having this conversation with this gal yesterday, it's like there's there's a bunch of these people that have totally walked away from the Lord. Everything from I know of a couple of gals that served here faithfully that are now you know, in gay marriages, you know, in lesbian relationships or whatever. And they still say, well, but we're Christians or whatever. And then I know others who have abandoned the faith and would say we're atheist or we agnostic or whatever. Um, and then there are those who I think are still just kind of one foot in the, in the church and one foot in the world. And that doesn't work. So how do I remain faithful? You know, how do I not, how does the George Floyd incident not become my new Christianity while I, while I do use my voice and my platform to speak out against something that, that needs to be spoken out against, you know, where's the balance? How do I, how do I speak out against abortion while still really being compassionate towards girls who are in a predicament and they don't have hope and they don't have the gospel and they end up making a decision that's irreversible and they, they kill the baby. And how do I, how do I, how do we love them and encourage them while recognizing that, this is a murderous act. You know, like it's hard. These are hard things to, to stay focused on. And we use a, we use a phrase at snowbird outfitters, um, and at red Oak church, but at snowbird outfitters, we, in, in one of our key phrases in our mission statement is that we're gospel driven. We're gospel driven. Um, in our mission statement, it says snowbird owners, outfitters exist to pro- proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're, we're proclaiming the gospel, but I said our mission statement, but in our core values, we have several operating values. And one of them is that we're gospel driven. And so when the gospel is driving what you're doing, 
what that does is is you're being driven by the gospel that changes people's lives through the work of Jesus. And so if but when I'm but when I'm not being driven by the gospel and I'm driven by some other aspect of Christianity, then I can get I can get sideways, you know, I can get I can get to where I'm being driven by the wrong thing, though it's a good thing, it's not the thing that should be the engine. I hope that makes sense. In other words, is it a good thing to speak out against abortion? Yes. Should that be the thing that's driving my Christianity? No. Is it a good thing to speak out against the you know the death of an innocent, not an innocent, I don't want to say innocent, none of us are innocent. You know, the scripture says no one's innocent. Um, but the, the, the wrongful death of a man like George Floyd, is it wrong to speak out against that? No. But when that becomes the engine that's driving my voice, especially in, in circles where people know I'm a Christian, now it's the wrong thing. The gospel's not driving it. And so how do we find that tension? So several of the people we were talking about yesterday, um, and we, we were naming some names, people. It was, it was, I think, a healthy conversation. We weren't gossiping. Or we were, these were people that we loved dearly and were burdened for. And, and, and this young lady was just, man, her heart is heavy. Here's the people that had, had invested in her and guided her in her faith. And now they've walked away from the Lord. And so how do I pray for them? How do I, do I minister to him? Do I try to reach out? And so I just want to talk about uh, how, how to remain faithful. So let me let me start by identifying a couple things. Let's define and identify some terms. Okay. Okay. So the first term that I want to identify is uh, apostate or apostasy. An apostate is someone who professes faith in Jesus. They walk with Jesus for a season. They may even do ministry. They could be a pastor, a preacher, a camp counselor, small group leader, but then they reject their salvation. This, In modern times, this is what people are referring to as a deconstruction of faith. And so in the Bible, an example of this would be Demas, where when we first hear about Demas, he's on the team, he's getting the work done, he's, man, he's, he's like on the A team. He's on a to use a military terminology, he's on an ODA team. I mean, it's, it's like uh, he's he's an operator, you know. And then next time you hear about him, he's just kind of there in the sh- in the shadows or in the periphery. And then last time you hear, the next time you hear about him, he's he's forsaken the gospel for love of this present world. So Demas would be an example of a type of apostate um, or a deconstruction of faith in our time in our day and era. Man, I'll tell you, there's this crazy there's this book that paul david tripp wrote called dangerous calling he wrote it in 2017 and it's about this very thing and particularly as pastors and leaders how do we not fall into how do we not walk away but but it's applicable for all christians like as a christian how do you stay faithful and not walk away and on on the back of that book the endorsements there are five endorsements and three of the people that endorsed that book in 2017 by 2019 Two years, two years had had walked away from the faith in one form or fashion, and like one of them was is is what I would say is probably apostate, and uh, and he has abandoned the faith, deconstruction public in the public eye. Second one fell into sexual sin, moral failure, and rather than be repentant, he seemed to defend his actions. And then the third one was a guy who led a huge church planting organization in the upper Midwest. Who I mean, like. Gosh, we have their churches that come to Snowbird, but then, like, find out he's like, there's power and control issues, a lot of money. I mean, it's just, it's just a train wreck. And so, th- three of the five guys who endorsed this book about not 
about being faithful, not falling away. They you know, within a couple of years. So that's kind of like, oh man, if those guys can can be that effective in ministry and fall away, I can too. So, but but apostate in the modern sense would be that first guy I mentioned from that book. He was a pastor. Now he's not, and he said, nope, I don't believe. I, 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 it's just a deconstruction of faith. So Demas in the scripture, that guy. This recently happened with the comedians Rhett and Link. And uh, they just kind of have, have walked away. So that's apostasy. So some people that used to serve in this ministry that I, I know their story, they are now what I would call apostate. And it's very scary. It's a scary thing because apostates are what Wayne Grudem calls unconverted evangelicals. They, they're they in the evangelical faith for a season. They're maybe even active in ministry, but they're really not converted. They're not regenerate. They're just doing it in the flesh. So, there's that. There are then those who I think live in a backslidden condition. These are believers who they're really saved, but they they walk away from the Lord for a season, or they live in rebellion, or they whatever you know. Um, there are others who just grow lukewarm, and Jesus says, "Hey," he says of of the I think it's the church at Laodicea in Revelation. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm, and that's disgusting. It's actually really gross. So how do we remain faithful just in a 20-minute in podcast? Because, <laughs> I mean, we should probably write some books on this. In a 20-minute podcast, how do you remain faithful? How do you stay the course? How do how does Snowbird train people so that our investment in their lives is longer term than a few years, and then they walk away? So I want to I wanna look at, at four main points to this idea. The first one in remaining faithful is Rest. Okay, I'm going to define some terms as I as I say this, but uh, so so just hear me out. Rest in the indicatives. Rest in the indicatives. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, a lot of times, so an indicative is a statement or declaration of fact. It's something that God has declared in His Word. So, like God is holy. That's an indicative. Um, you are holy. That's an indicative. You are loved. That's an indicative. And indicatives work in conjunction and, and in harmony with imperatives. Imperatives, another word for command. So be holy, that's a, that's a command. That's an imperative. So rest in the indicatives. Too many Christians, they, they work in the imperatives. They work in the commands. And this creates a sort of frustrating legalism where you might even say, man, I'm not legalistic. I'm not going to just do a rules-based Christianity. But then... Uh, but then you're just constantly focusing on doing, 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 doing. And so it's like, man, I make sure you say things like stay in the word, pursue holiness. Well, those are good things. I do need to stay in the word and I do want to pursue holiness, but those should be reactionary things. I should, I, I, I'm going to stay in the word because of what God has said about his word and what he said about me. And as my desires change, I'm going to desire to be in the word. And so not go through this methodical, mechanical, make sure you're reading your Bible so you can check the box, you know? So rest in the indicatives, not, hey, be holy. Hey, fight sin. Hey, fight temptation, resist temptation. The Bible gives us commands. So I'm not saying ignore the commands. Ignoring the commands, if you're not careful, gets you back into that, what I called earlier, the Shane Claiborne type of Christianity. Just feel good and just love Jesus and and hate re- religious people and it's not that. It's let's rest in the indicatives. So what does that mean? Well, understand what are the promises of God in Scripture about me and about how he loves me? So what does the Bible say about how God loves me? What are the statements in Scripture that God makes about me? You are my son. You are loved. You are adopted. Condemnation is removed. 
So none of that's based on performance. It's based on God's grace. So rest in the indicatives. Get up every day and think about God's goodness and grace and and what he says to be true. Not can I can I be holy today, but wake up and say, I'm holy because God is holy and he has given me the righteousness of Christ and he has declared that I'm holy. I'm other from sin, separate from sin. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing, fix my eyes on Jesus. Seems so simple, but I just try to read a little bit in the Gospels every day. Uh, a day or two ago, I just decided, you know, I'm going to sit down and read a lengthy chapter in one of the Gospels. It was a random. It wasn't in the flow of my daily reading. I'm actually reading through the the times and books of the Kings. So First Second Kings, First Second Chronicles, actually First Second Samuel with Saul and David, uh, and right through all the the times of the Kings. So I jump out of that and read a lengthy passage where Jesus is just teaching. But man, just constantly going back to the, the gospel ministry season of, of the time that Jesus was on the earth. Now you could say, well, we're fixing our eyes on Jesus anytime we're in the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So Jesus, like if I'm reading in Colossians, I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus and that's true. But I'm saying intentionally think about Jesus and what he did and who he was and who he is and not just the, the four gospels, but the visions of Jesus in Isaiah and Daniel and Revelation where we see him in his current position and, and, and it's just wonderful. And, and it, and it keeps me in a, in a right position before God. The next one, the third one, stay on mission, love what Jesus loves, fight against what Jesus fights against. So yeah, speak out against abortion and speak out against the marginalized and speak out against racism and, but stay on mission. What is the mission? We're gospel driven. The, the execution of the Great Commission to make disciples, to proclaim Christ, to preach the gospel, to help people know who Jesus is, to tell our friends about Jesus. To Man, I'm telling you, when you are doing these first three things, resting in what Jesus says about who you are and fixing your eyes on Jesus and telling people about Jesus, and, and, and maybe it's not a gospel proclamation. Maybe it's there's a there's a an old lady across the street who's who's elderly and can't leave the house and 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 so I visit her. I spend time with her. I go over and pray with her and and listen to her. I, I've, that's been an incredible lesson for me to learn through the years as a pastor is to go to the rest home, which I know right now a lot of people can't you can't get into rest homes, but but those opportunities when they're there to visit someone and just take them a cup of coffee because they got cruddy coffee. <laughs> There's these two ladies that were at the rest home and rest home in Andrews and and. Uh, me and another a close friend and and a deacon in our church we would swing by there on Mondays and we would take these two gals uh, one of them was very elderly she was in her 90s but but real spry and like alert mentally just had had broken her hip and was there for several months the other gal had broken her leg and she was in her 60s and in bad health and but they were in good spirits. We'd go by there and take them a cup of McDonald's coffee, and they would just beam because it's so much better than the coffee. McDonald's coffee is good, by the way, and I'm not a coffee snob, but McDonald's coffee is good. But their coffee was real watered down, you know? So, oh, man, it was wonderful. What am I doing? I'm staying on mission, and, but they're both believers, so I'm not there to proclaim the gospel, but, but the gospel is driving that, right? So love what Jesus loves. Fight what Jesus fights. Push back against what Jesus pushed back, push back against, religiosity and and religious arrogance and pride. He pushed back against that, but he loved people and he went to people and he cared for them where they were and, and stay on mission and share the gospel with lost people. That could be door to door going around saying, Hey, can, you know, knocking on the door. Hey, can we, what, 
we're from I'm from such and such church or just I live in this community. I want to know if there's anything I can do to pray for you and things like that, you know, coworkers, classmates. And the last one is rest in God's promises. So we started with rest in the indicatives. Here's what God says about me. The last one, rest in God's promises. What what has God promised to me? I, I'll tell you this. There's tension in the promises of God, like rest in the reality of Lamentations 3, uh, which this is very familiar, 3, 22 and 23 and 24. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Those are wonderful promises that every day I get new mercy New grace, new kindness, new faithfulness. But listen to this. In that same chapter, there's some tension here. This is hard. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he calls grief, he will have compassion. According to the abundance of of his steadfast love, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. There's this tension of sometimes you're going to have some bad days. Sometimes you're going to bury your 10-week-old baby. Sometimes you're going to lose someone you love to the coronavirus. Sometimes there's going to be the reality that your child who is biracial or uh, a, an ethnic minority is going to receive racial targeting, and, and you're going to have to help them navigate that. Sometimes those things are going to happen. So I can rest in the promise that the Lord, though he calls grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Those are promises that I can rest in. So... I remain faithful when I rest in the indicatives. It's not about my performance. It's about what he's done, and then I'm reacting to that. Fix my eyes on Jesus, stay on mission, and rest in the promises of God. Literally every day for the next 70 years, you need to do that. It's not for a season that I'm on staff at a church or working in student ministry. It's for life, and that will usher me into eternity. When when we do that, we don't walk away. We don't fall away. We don't become apostates, and we don't become weak-minded Christians we stay faithful. Hope that's an encouragement. It definitely has been for me. And uh, thanks for joining. See you next time. Thanks for listening to No Sanity Required. Please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating. It really helps. Visit us at SWOutfitters.com to see all of our programming and resources. And we'll see you next week on No Sanity Required.